All right, so imagine this.、Mm. Instead of 101 Dalmatians, 101 poodles. All right, I'm just taking a second. I'm still scrapping 101 Dalmatians from my head. It's taking a moment to crank that through the recycling bin. Boom, I'm imagining 101 poodles, and it is not half as adorable as 101 Dalmatians were. And granted, Dalmatians shouldn't be adorable knowing that they're kind of an unruly breed. Yeah, they're like dumb, violent dogs. They, they are very, they're not the most stable. Um, but 101 Poodles, at least on screen, I think are less relatable. They can be the snooty friend of a main character, but they can't be the main character. Alright, l so here's a follow up question. What dog breed would you replace Dalmatians with to make the series better? And what is the、uh, worst possible、mm, dog breed? Um, well, do you have answers to this, by the way? Or are you just, you, you're gonna be, because I'm gonna reciprocate. I think like 101, like Shiba Inus, would be. Wow. So nice to watch.、Uh, Dalmatians can be a little violent, but Shiba Inus are the most stubborn dog maybe out there. Are you serious? They're, they're so stubborn. Like, that's. <laughs> I feel like that, that might be a way more entertaining movie overall. I feel like that might be. But in terms of a cartoon, how it would actually look on screen, Shiba Inus must be one of the best. That or Corgis. Yeah. Would be a real fan favorite. In terms of so, worst. So is Corgi your answer? In terms of worst, Bulldog has got to be up there. Oh. <laughs> 101, 101 English bulldogs. bulldogs. Yeah, can you imagine? The asthma alone! Oh, the kind of Foley work. It'd be like a Darth Vader convention. It'd be terrible. But the answer some people might criticize me for this not being far enough off the best version would be boxers. 101 boxers. Or 101 Beagles. But Beagles, honestly, they've had their time in the cartoon spotlight. Let's give boxers a time to shine. So you think boxers are the best possible answer? They're my favorite、um, breed of dog. And the worst, you think, is English Bulldogs? I mean, Chihuahua would be the outright worst. I mean, 101 Chihuahuas, is like, they're like piranhas at that point. They don't become cuter with volume like Dalmatians. Dalmatians, there's something like a predator watching a herd of zebras where it starts to blend together and you're like, this is one big cute thing. But that doesn't happen with chihuahuas. Why did they choose to animate dogs that have spots on them? Do you know how hard that must be? It would、been? be so easy. You just draw a whole bunch of spots all over a place and then you line in the dogs over that big swatch of spots <laughs> you got. We could not be getting. I don't think that's how animation works. <laughs> we could not be getting further from the subject because we're actually here to talk about poodles. Yeah, if anything, I should have said imagine 101 Dalmatians, but with poodles. But instead of a like, billionaire fashion mogul trying to skin them,、uh, there's a hundred less, and this poodle is on a crime procedural. <laughs> and also, this takes place in the Scooby Doo universe.、Mm, and we, we replace Cruella de Vil with a gargoyle who is maybe trying to kill everyone. That's what I assume anytime people are attacking dogs in a cartoon. <laughs> I learned that from, from Make a Beeline. I've learned my lesson.、Uh, so, this is, in fact, Not a podcast about、um, alternative Disney histories or dog breeds. Is this still the intro or are we on the outro now? I can't tell because it's been a、oh, while. This is the intro. Okay, still the intro. Oh, in that case, we are the Scooby Dudes. We're two best friends here to talk to you about our favorite meddling kids. And they're dumb dog, too. And this week, we are going back to one of our personal favorite series、mm. Be Cool Scooby Doo. Uh, it's been the latest incarnation of Scooby Doo that's gotten a TV series run, and we highly recommend that you check it out, particularly this episode, which is called Poodle Justice. What more can be said? No, what can we do? I mean, but like, we could read this synopsis. Shake our head, and yeah, I guess that's just about it. But thank you, listeners. Enjoy this episode. Evan, can you. Evan, stop. <laughs> okay, you're. Kevin, it's no longer funny, Evan. Do you not think that our listeners will be able to tell that that's only coming from your side? I don't think so, dude. <laughs> Two dudes talking about Scooby Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady,、mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby Doos. Um, Poodle Justice, Be Cool Scooby Doo, Season 1, Episode 4.、Mm, what more could be said? Welcome to the outro, folks. This has been Scooby Doos. <laughs> It's been a lot of fun. Oh, Evan, I love you. Why are you doing it? You, you told me. <laughs> Let's keep this really tight 40 minutes. Dude, I'm trying to keep it tight, but if you. Oh, hang on, dude. Don't do that. Put it down. Don't. Dude, don't. It's not funny. <laughs>
not funny to keep. <laughs> Alright, you're getting a laugh out of me. <laughs> Shouldn't have laughed, I'm only encouraging you. <laughs> In this episode, Poodle Justice, I have to admit, when it opens up, I thought this we were really following a detective and dog duo. Did you think the same thing? I, I also did too, because here's the thing. In the world of Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo is a talking dog who helps his best friends slash owners, I guess, solve mysteries. Exactly. So I, after I, at first I was like, oh, is that dumb of me? No, it's reasonable. The, the weird thing is that this dog, I'll reveal it now, does not talk at all. She has and like a level of sentience, but she doesn't speak. She's very expressive, but not with words. And like, she clearly can read a script, can take direction, can follow guided actions because she's an actress poodle. This is the TV show Poodle Justice we open in on. Poodle Justice is uh, one of those police procedurals in which um, there's kind of like a gimmicky, uh, a gimmicky main, a gimmicky lead. Like, wasn't there like a, a show called Blind Justice about like a blind detective? Oh, was that, that could be a parody show for all I know. Like at this point, it's become such a, uh, the, the procedural cop show has been such a, a subject of parody that I don't know whether what you're referring to is real or not. But you kind of have, like, the gimmick, and sometimes the gimmick, and I'm putting big quotes around that, is just that this cop is a woman. Wow. Really? I think so. That could be. I don't, I don't, like, I hate procedural crime shows, I have to admit. Sorry, listeners, can't stand it. I thought you liked CSI. I watched a lot of CSI in high school, and that was enough. I've, I felt like I've I never had to return. I love CSI. Ooh. But Gil Grissom, Gil- that dude, uh, knows a lot about bugs. You know, most of what I remember most fondly about CSI was the uh the helicopter shots in between scenes <laughs> like in csi new york miami how they each had like their own helicopter oh we're in a very cool blue city in the fresh hours of the morning look at all that mist rolling over new york that's what i remember about the show the mysteries who could care less but that to say this is a gimmicky uh procedural crime show where the lead is a poodle and the joke opening up is that the the side character the human is so dumb Within the show. Yeah, within the context of the show, um, uh, the poodle whose name is Annabelle, she's sniffing at the ground, and then her partner comes over and sniffs at the ground, and she's like, I don't know what I'm... Like, Mm. uh, it smells like ground. I don't even know what I'm looking for. (laughs) And I think Lady Annabelle does the, the dog point thing. And uh, the, the human's like, oh my goodness, that's what it is. We're looking at this thing. Uh, you're so smart, and I'm so useless. Cut. And I love that line, if you're so smart and I'm so useless. Because it's not far from what they do in a lot of, like, Sherlocky TV shows, where Watson's like, oh man, I'm a freaking idiot compared to you. I, it, I think taking the bumbling sidekick trope and, like, dialing it up to, like, 12. It's very funny. Understandably, the actress doesn't care about doesn't care for that very much. Uh, so, the director is Jim Cummings. Mm. Just gonna say that right now. An immense cartoon voice talent. Just just voice talent in general. You've heard Jim Cummings' voice in a dozen roles, I would wager. But I would also wager you can't name any of them, and neither can I. I can name one. Name it. It's Winnie the Pooh. Oh, that's right. He is Winnie the Pooh. I have to say, like, a very distinctive role, but not one that we've heard him return to. Like, not one I could hear him in. He really became Pooh. Pooh. Dull justice. Evan, don't. Please don't, man. I'm serious. Don't do it. Not funny, man. <laughs> you gotta stop. <laughs> I gotta stop, dude. I'm you know begging what? you to stop. I think. I think what really tickles me about this scenario is what you're doing is what I would do. <laughs> like that's such a me thing to do to be like, oh man, can you just can you not can you can you stop banging? I really wish you all would of these stop glasses. Banging your glass against this thing. It's not not helping my recording. Um, let's, let's put a bow on the cold open here to say that a gargoyle appears, scaring everyone on set. Whatever, there's the opening, and then after that... Uh, one thing is that we open into the mystery machine, and I think Fred's saying how he's refilled all, like, their, uh, sleuthing equipment within the mystery machine. The mystery machine is so techy in this series, and I really love that. It's the ultimate rebuttal to the red non-mystery machine that we see in 13 Ghosts. I was, I was just gonna, yeah, they're at a place called Copsco. Was it? I don't know. I'm only now realizing as a play on Costco. 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 Copsco. Copsco. 
Why cops? They're not cops. Oh no, but I guess they're they're well, buying cop equipment. I think it's equipment. because um, what they were restocking, he calls them trace evidence kits. That's right. So I just want to uh, one thing I want to introduce for our listeners who may not be familiar with Be Cool Scooby Doo is the concept of the Daphne du Jour. Mm. The Daphne of the day. She's got a different thing thing in quotes in every episode, and it's one of my favorite things about the series. Uh, so it's a little yeah, it's a quirk. Uh, that she will embody and then cast off as soon as that episode has come to a close. And uh, and she's got a pretty good one. I'd say one of my favorite ones this time around. Before we say what it is, did you like it? I thought it was fine. I, I feel very, like, neutrally about it in that I wasn't, like, enamored by it, but I also didn't mind it. So to me, it was just a wash. It was fine. I think it's the reverse of the puppet one for me because the puppet one started out like, okay, this is fine, but it really earned its place as the episode went on. This one, I was enamored with from the start, but then it it, it fell off a little bit as the episode went on. Like, it just didn't become a bigger thing. Um, Daphne, we find out, is a lesbian, but has a fake boyfriend to make her seem like a straight person for her family and for the gang. Wow. Big news! And so we come, we open on her stroking her beard and eyeing up Fred, which is another level of like, wait, what's going on here, Daphne? What is this? And the biggest thing that I wanted to note on this, Evan, come on, let me finish my thought. Will you let me finish my thought? <laughs> um, the one thing I wanted to say about it, this is an actual, Daphne has an actual fake beard. When Luke says that she's stroking her beard, it means that she's running her fingers through the, the false hair that is on her face. Shoot, um, I read Spark Notes on this one. I didn't actually watch the episode, dude. <laughs> this is this is not good. And I will say that Fred, um, she's all like, well, Shaggy has a beard, you know, because Fred doesn't like the fact that she's wearing this. Mm-hmm. And and Fred's sort of like retort is like, but Shaggy's a man. And I'm just like, whoa, Fred. <laughs> Come on. It is not cool of Fred. Although I... I how they engage with the beard is kind of interesting in that Fred's kind of weirded out by it in perpetuity. I th- I think that Fred's attitude towards pretty much all of Daphne's Daphne's Daphne Duchours has just been kind of like, Daph, I wish you wouldn't do this. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing the puppet thing? He's gonna he's playing the straight man dog. Pretty much all of them, I guess. Now that you mention it, it's almost like Fred has carry over memories from past. Um, iterations of the show in which Daphne didn't do these things. (laughs) And Daphne also remembers and is like, Freddy, I'm never going back. I'm alive. She's Dolores in Westworld. That's how I feel. She's remembering Westworld. You would think think that that Fred would get used to it, but he never does. And that's why I think that he's just like, there was a simpler time when Daphne's face would just like look confused and like not yeah. animated and, at all. And that justifies a lot of the moments where Fred's like, hey Daphne, wouldn't you love to have a tumble down these steps or or a kind of stumble on this loose cobblestone? Wouldn't you like to be danger prone again a little bit? He wants to go back. We've got to go back. Lost. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, I mean, that's the beard plays in plot-wise a few times, but it doesn't become a huge thing. The, my favorite thing about the beard is just the way that Daphne doesn't say anything about it, really. She just coolly eyes Fred while stroking it. It's not, um, it's not a very active Daphne du jour, which is to say that, like, it, like, in the first episode, she has a little puppet, and she's often, like, talking to people with these puppets and, like, moving her arms around. But with the beard, she literally just has it on her face, and that's, like, the whole gag and she'll like stroke it or she'll have an idea from it but that's it and it doesn't tie in in the emotional way that the puppet did in that first episode um still it's perfectly fine and that gives us a vehicle for some other gags the ones with scooby and shaggy that are to follow i think are really great and should be canonized and be cool history so um the gang shows Mm. up on the set of poodle justice this is obviously because this is the way the episodes typically work it's a series that they already watch the director of this particular episode is Daniel Valentino, and Velma notes that he's a three-time award-winning director, he's uh, kind of done some pretty big things, and he's slumming it right now. That's kind of what she says, is like, why do you have to do this? And he's like, for the money. And it's like as if Lars von Trier directed Supergirl, or something like that. It doesn't really make sense in an era where TV is a real money-making thing. 
To me, at least. Maybe there isn't a lot of money in it. I don't know. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's at one point in time, if you were an actor who went from movies to TV, you were, like, downgrading yourself. And I think nowadays, because of all the premium, um, all the sort of, like, the really high-quality shows, it's not. No, I mean, I mean, depending on the TV series, it can be way more prestigious than most movies. Um, but whatever the case, the director here is, as you said, slumming it. He's not crazy about his place. We get introduced to the uh, his assistant, who Carly? seems... Carly, who's very familiar with the running of things. She introduces us to the setting of the episode, a very gothic building chosen for the setting. Like a... Like a skyscraper. Like, uh, yeah, like a gothic building, con- like with condos for con, like kind of ritzy, but also yeah, it's like a gothic condominium. Yeah, really, but not so fancy that like its tenants can't just be people who like work in a Mexican restaurant, you know? Like it's still maybe it's rent controlled. Okay, so I'll say that right now, um, because we are sort of, yeah, we're 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 dashing through this we're and we're introducing some colorful characters uh, there's a guy who looks like dracula or he looks like an old-timey eastern european mm. you know like a count uh and he um has kind of like a spooky voice but also he uh is voiced by jim cummings and admits to working at a mexican restaurant he says, like, he, he'll say something really creepy, and then he'll be like, and, now, and then I've got to get to work at the Mexican restaurant. And I want to know in, in what capacity. That's what I want to know, too, because he seems like he's a business owner. But it seems like he has money. It seems like he does. He's certainly well-dressed, dressed to the nines, you could say. And we know that there's a tenant board in this building, so it could be fancy, but if he actually goes on site to work at the restaurant, you know, maybe he's a Gus Fring type from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And, and now we'll say this. Because I had, Breaking Bad. I had, I had for I in my memory as I was watching this episode after he mentioned he works in a Mexican restaurant. In my mind, I was waiting for the tag at the end mm. where they go into a Mexican restaurant and he's there, but he's like one of the uh, behind like a cash he's a register. line cook or something like yeah. that. Yeah, um, and it never well, happened. Behind the register would be even better. But in my mind, it had solidified. Like, I saw it in my mind's eye, and I was like, this is definitely the gag that ends this episode, and it did not happen. I have to say, Mr. Sullivan's my favorite character of the episode, and they didn't do as much with him as they could have in terms of building him into the episode. The moments they gave him were great. Each one sparkled, but again, they didn't build him into the plot. I guess that's giving away that he's not the villain, but... Yeah, um, I, I mean, I really like sort of these not evil explicitly but sort of like evil adjacent kind of like you know that haughty uh like aloof kind of like you're like a lord or something because um he says to someone on the phone i believe silence foul cog he says it to carly to her face oh, Luke, can you can you can you stop that please no evan i'm not going to i like it this is my revenge on you mm, come get it Dinner time. You know what? That's honestly too loud and annoying. Supper for... is served. I don't like that. <laughs> you you had to. It was right in your face too. I feel like you were funneling it towards yourself. So Shaggy finds a sticky gargoyle. Oh, he backs up into a sticky. Oh no, I'm sorry. Did we didn't. Uh, so it... the thing with Mr. Sullivan, I think we really need to complete, is that uh... silence, foul cog. I stand apart from the tenant board. <laughs> now I need to go put in 45 on the rowing machine. <laughs> no, no, I, di- I didn't have the full thing written. I think his dialogue is great. It's beautifully written. It's classic JCB good stuff. It's, um, it's really rich and brought to life with Jim Cummings. I mean, it's a, mm, it's a cocktail. It's lovely. Um, Shaggy, to move along the plot, backs into a gargoyle, which has something sticky on its mouth that gets on the back of Shaggy's head. Yeah, it's a sticky gargoyle, and uh, so for listeners, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to go to Urban Dictionary. Sticky gargoyle. Sticky gargoyle. <laughs> so find that entry, and please, if you could if you could upvote it. Are you going to tell us what it is before you make us go upvote it? I think you know. You think I know? What? Dude, Evan, it's not that, is it? That? What? Dude, even Urban Dictionary has limits in terms of what they'll let you put on. <laughs> they won't let you put anything. I just feel like the sticky gargoyle, man. People are going to want to know. Yeah, well, I guess you know, yeah, if you phrase that as if it were, you kind of leave the last part ambiguous. 
You might be able to get people to upvote a sticky gargoyle. Listeners, don't Google two sticky gargoyles, one perch. <laughs> it's a bad one. <laughs> also, uh, gargoyle party? No, not worth it. You know what I think is... Uh, I just think it's so funny that um, in in the world in which your joke works best is a world in which the video was called Two Sticky Girls, One Cup. Yeah, I know. I mean, I thought two gargoyles, one sticky. Now we're getting very close to naming the real thing. And we, at least in theory, at least when we talk to our families, we say this is a PG podcast. I just, okay, I don't know if you're going to bleep this, but mm. an, an alternate universe where this, this because it was a viral video, people would watch it and then film the reaction, their reactions oh, to watching yeah. it. And if the video was instead called like, Two girls uh, do sex stuff with poop. <laughs> no one would have watched it. It was the obscurity of it that really made it yeah, they would want, work. Two girls, one cup. They're just like, okay, okay, okay. Let me check this out. Uh, let me film my reaction. YouTube is going to like get me some views. Yeah, but it'll be fun. No one would watch a react video to like, all right, like, like PewDiePie reacts to two girls do sex stuff with some poop. Because that makes it sound like PewDiePie's going out and watching this. Like, guy, I got, you guys have to, I was going to do a PewDiePie accent. I don't know what that would actually sound like. What is, oh man, what what does an anti-Semite sound like? I know this. Is he anti-Semitic? I just, I feel like he said the N-word. Oh, I thought he'd said some messed up stuff. I think he said some messed up stuff about Jews too. I shouldn't. YouTube suggested a video of his and it was like his hot take on This Is America. And I was like, No. This, Mm-mm. I do not want to watch or think about. You, you, I don't think you've earned back the right to have a hot take on that. Eh, I don't know. Um, Shaggy backs into a sticky gargoyle. That'll be a lot of therapy, no doubt, for him. But what do we learn from this sticky gargoyle? Well, Shaggy screams. He's like, ah, the gargoyle. And then he says something that seemed very Mr. Sullivan-esque. He said, I can feel the drool from its gaping maw. He, that did seem Sullivan-esque. Do you think they, they got their lines mixed up? It's Shaggy over red and Jim Cummings under red. Whatever the case, we learned that that's not actually what it is. It's, what is it's it? some kind of, uh, I don't think, they say it's a clue. <laughs> or rather, no. um, Fred and... Ah, it's a clue. Moving Fred on. Fred and Velma are tag-teaming, and one of them says, maybe it's a clue. Uh, I think you're right. Uh-huh. And um, hilariously, the director uh, is <laughs> like, wait. It may be a clue. You think he's right? Uh, he's like really doubting their um, mystery solving abilities. Yeah, and he's used to TV mystery solving, which is like, no, you know exactly what it is right away, which is a little bit of how sometimes the Scooby Doo universe works, but not when they have to compare themselves to a TV show within the series. Daniel Valentino, um, I mean, his set is obviously like he's having trouble wrapping production because of this gargoyle, but he's already a day behind schedule, and if he messes this up, he's kind of going to be blacklisted within Hollywood. Um, and I think that's the moment that the Mystery Machine, the Mystery Inc. gang says, hey, you know what? We're actually mystery solvers. We can take care of this for you. And we've got the, the slinky down, slinky up with back cracks gag. Mm. There's another fun little gag I really like. I will say, first of all, to me, the dream of being on set is taking advantage of craft services. This is my one of my favorite gags of the whole episode. It's a seesaw craft service gag. Um, I didn't see it as a seesaw. Basically, it's it's a long craft really? services table. For listeners who aren't in the know, they don't know about like the biz. Craft services is basically just like catering for the the cast, not I guess the crew as well. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be honest, Evan. I kind of want to keep them out of the know. It feels it makes me feel prestigious, elite. To have that over our listeners. I might bleep what you just said. Craft service table. Let's let them keep the mystery of that. And uh, and what and this you think this isn't a seesaw what they do with it. I guess there's nothing in the middle to seesaw upon. It's a very long table, and what they're doing is they're sort of like they're one of them lifts up their end so that the food slides down. Uh, and then mm. I saw it more as like a mobile game uh, gag. Cause it's like, you know, like uh, one of those games where you're just like you have to move uh, your thumb at the bottom of the screen and like either dodge or catch things. That's what they're doing with the food. Oh, I see what you're saying now. Like the most, 
one of the most simple early Flash games on the internet. Mm -hmm. Or like mini games and a lot of bigger games. But yeah, basically they're tipping the table to slide food towards each other. And I, this is one of those rare moments in Be Cool where they're really rejoicing in the food of Scooby-Doo. Uh, it was great. I liked it. I like it when people eat food. I like it that as Shaggy is sort of like sliding the food down to Scooby, Scooby sees Lady Annabelle and turns his head and the food is just like smacking him on the side. I love the detail when that happens that the food doesn't just smack and then fall off, but it smacks and stacks. And we see like mashed potatoes hit it and then french fries hit and stick in it and then like peas or something else hit and stick in it. It gets sloppier and sloppier and when we cut back to Scooby in another shot, he does the classic circular tongue swipe like the like a windshield wiper the three the 360 wipe with tongue to slurp it all off and to our understanding the be cool writing team didn't love doing food gags but they made it work here and they paid homage to it as if they did uh blah 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 scooby loves lady annabelle but <clears throat> he um he chokes he chokes and when he goes to talk to her briefly he's like <clears throat> <laughs> and then maintains that note for like what is so funny to funnier me. and funnier. it's funny because it keeps on happening the gargoyle attacks and starts chasing people and and the main sound effects that you can hear are the gargoyle attacking people but if you listen closely and like and you squeals. can hear underneath everything scooby continuing the uh <laughs> It's brilliant. And when Scooby, when Annabelle does eventually get scared off by the monster, Scooby's like, uh, whew. Yeah, like he, he like, really dodged goodness. the bullet. You've said Foley works so much. Um, we, You've been saying it a lot, and it made me want to say it more and think about it more. Um, at one point, the gargoyle chases Mystery Incorporated into a mm. boiler room, and I love that as he's walking around, you can sort of... It's sort of like cinder blocks on cement. Like, that's like the sound his feet are making on the uh, on the floor. Yeah, you're right. It's very rocky. Uh, but the point is... And, it's, it, and it creates a lot of tension in what I would say is the most tense moment that this episode has, and about as intense as this show gets. Uh, but the gar gargoyle does not catch them. But it does have the effect of scaring the entire crew, save for Carly, off the set. Um, we get in what follows a brief history of gargoyles from, uh, from, uh, excuse me. Velma then gives us a brief history of gargoyles, rebutting Shaggy, who says gargoyles seem to be really evil. Um, Velma corrects us, and I think it was kind of interesting, so I'd like to give it to our listeners, if I may. Yeah, I mean, she, she says that the, the monster is based on a, it's based on a French mo monster called the gargouille. Which, um, was a nocturnal creature, um... Known for turning into stone during stone during the day, and after spending thousands of years in an enchantedly petrified state, gargoyles who have been transported from medieval Scotland are reawakened in modern-day New York City, and they take on roles as the city's secret nighttime protectors. So that's a little bit of background on this monster that we see here in this scene, um, and in this show. Did you watch Gargoyles, Evan? I didn't. I thought they were really cool. They were so cool. I only seen like one episode, but it's still one of my favorite shows as a kid. Listeners, if you listen, if you watch Gargoyles, I envy you. I also feel like they made all the gargoyles really hot. I mean, they were all like shirtless and like built, but also kind of blockish because they were I sculptures mean, and the animation. The guys were pretty beefy, and then there was like one lady gargoyle, and she was like, yeah. She I can't wait to blow that up and enhance that in post and hear whatever that was. <laughs> she was really enhance. She was really so hot. Oh my gosh. I was like, wow. It could be anything. I'm so excited for that. This gargoyle actually looks a little similar to some of the gargoyles in um, in that old TV series, Gargoyles. But that old cartoon is also based on gargoyles, which were... Um, what were the, I actually don't remember the real story. Basically, they were monsters that some, like, French hero defeated. And then they were like, oh, nice, we, now we use these monsters to scare away, like, evil spirits. That's like, like, gargoyles are meant to scare away evil spirits from, I wrote in my notes, Scooby is choking, and I wrote choking in all caps. And it was so shocking to me because 
it made me think for a second, did Scooby really choke on food in this? But no, he just really botches his attempts at communicating with Lady Annabelle. He really can't talk to Lady Annabelle. The thing I love most about those moments are that Lady Annabelle's not being mean or judging Scooby hard. She's just kind of like a little concerned and then ultimately a little skeeved out and walks away not wishing any ill will on Scooby. They're not making her out to be mean just because she's not liking well, Scooby. Because the things that Scooby is doing are so awkward. Like first he says ah uh, for like a very prolonged time. Yeah. And I, it's, I keep saying that things are very funny, but they are very funny. Um, Lady Annabelle looks at him and then sort of like looks off to the side. Like she's really, like she doesn't want to, she's like, what's going on? <laughs> There's such intelligence in her eyes. So it, is, it seems a little unfair to say that she's not sentient. She just doesn't speak oh, like Scooby is. speaks. D- dude, even the dumbest of dogs are sentient, man. <laughs> not just cartoon dogs. They're all sentient, man. Wait, wait, wait. How do you... Wait, 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 wait. How do you... How do you... How do you, how do you define sentience? The capacity to feel, perceive, or experience subjectively. I, I just feel like you're wrong. I mean, anything that... A really really dumb kid can do a dog can do you basically have to say something is not sentient be- until it reaches a certain point of intelligence for what you're saying Evan and look Evan I still think we should treat dogs as if they weren't alive I don't think they deserve any rights at all I'm I don't just think PETA is an or- I, a bad... I'm not saying that dogs aren't alive okay well that's what dogs I'm are saying very much I don't alive. think they're alive I don't think they're living creatures nothing is alive not even except humans but except me personally I'm the only thing that exists in the universe, but within my universe, dogs have sentience, man. I really like the gag that happens on the balcony that follows pretty soon after. What is the gag? They're they're looking for um, gar- samples. They're taking samples from the individual gargoyles, but but the issue is they didn't know what kind of magazines to give the gargoyles. Like they had kind of like house and. I have no idea. I'm so lost. <laughs> they just needed to provide the gargoyles with, with, like, material with which to provide, like, so that they could give them samples. And you're doing a very specific kind of DNA collection gag. <laughs> yep. You know what, Evan? I'm sorry. I should have I caught on and jumped into this gag a little bit sooner. Yeah, they're giving him all sorts of magazines and stuff, and the gargoyles waving them away like, I don't need that stuff. He just looks up the uh, the person behind the counter, looks her up and down once, winks, and walks into the room. <laughs> walks out with a cup full of dust. That was not the direction I was going in. I was going to say he just... What direction were you going in? Um, that it's like a... He hands him like a Home Depot catalog or something. And there's like a... You know, like a, like a cinder block um, centerfold. I, I think you're... It's interesting that you think of gargoyles as, like, a part of a building that, like, architects build. (laughs) They're made of rocks. A guy's just, like, welding a... A guy's welding a beam over here, and then he just, like, chisels out a gargoyle over there to wrap up his shift. (laughs) That there's, like, a line of gargoyle builders all sitting on the edge of a tall building, eating their lunch out of... (laughs) Yeah, indeed, that famous, famous New York uh, (laughs) photograph. (laughs) And, and yeah, like ultimately you would buy a gargoyle from Home Depot. I just think that in order for a gargoyle to get their rocks off, they would need to see rocks. Um, let's move things forward a little bit. Maybe skim over a couple of things. Stop me if anything exciting happens in here that you need to talk about. Because, because the gag is very, very funny in which Scooby is trying to motion and be like, oh, there's a monster and Shaggy is misinterpreting every gesture. It's like, oh, you want you want to bake some bread? Like, no, no, no. Rye, rye. Rye bread? And he keeps go, and he spins off of the rye bread and keeps going with it. Like, wait, what? He's so, he's so fixated on it. It's like a word game where you're guessing yeah. and you can't get them off of Even when the gargoyle like steps next to Shaggy, Shaggy's like, wait, but wait, there's not enough rye bread for the gargoyle too. What do you mean, Scooby? No, we don't have time to talk about the rye bread. The gargoyle is here. Uh, that gag is very good. And it's followed up by to what is to my knowledge the first scooby dupe on be cool no there's got to be other scooby dupes really is this the first i mean this is only episode four i don't recall specifically but it's as distinct as a scooby dupe gets which is uh, a scooby it's, scooby too 
That's a. Uh, that's where Scooby and Shaggy put a dupe over the villain. That's. I mean, that's it. Well but put, Doty. I'm just gonna use a few more words. <laughs> it is typically Scooby and Shaggy. It is a gag. Mm. They're just creating a scenario, um, and the social pressures are so great that the monster just it has to buy in. It has no choice almost. Here they spin around the corner on the balcony and they're suddenly on the set of a sitcom what was the name of that sitcom and gargoyle makes three (laughs) sponsored by running for your life with a a subsidiary of oh god please help uh it's great um scooby and shaggy are the parents um they they call the the gargoyle gargi gargi you're home (laughs) um it's it's great. There's a and then there's even like the sort of requisite canned laughter that you would expect from like a three camera sitcom. Here's something that is uh, very cool about canned laughter is um, because like stuff was filmed before a live studio audience like that that did happen. But then they found that whenever a take got messed up, they would say the same jokes and then obviously people would laugh less because they'd already heard mm-hmm. them. So this guy. Uh, and I have the book on my shelf. I'm not going to grab it. I'll just put it in the show notes. He found all of these recordings of laughter, and he sort of created a soundboard out of them. He was like a master of this. He would charge $100 an episode, and he would watch your sitcom, and he would put in laughter, and he knew how to play it in such a way that, like, this is, like, raucous laughter. This is, like, a little bit of a tittering. And he was, like, a musician of laughs. Wow. That's brilliant. That's amazing. He is a god from the comedian's perspective. Like, he can give you everything you want. Yeah. So for a while, like, this, wow. and for a while, this dude was the only game in town. Like, he was the only person doing this. That really makes you appreciate the artistry of it to imagine a person at an actual board live doing it to an episode. Even though I'm sure a lot of it happened in post. Uh, I think like yeah. I think he did it in post. Yeah, he did it but, in like, post. But like just putting but, them all together um, in one moment, like a chord of laughter, a literal chord. It's pretty. It's pretty incredible. And again, because like he would even do the little bit like, oh, something funny is about to happen. There's a little bit of a tittering, like. And like I can imagine <laughs> as you're saying it, like there's the big raucous laughter, and then there's like one or two titters that like trail off afterwards like you so you feel like there's one or two people who it really connected with and i think you must have to have a good sense of humor too right because you know how people are going to react to like all these lines like oh this is funny but it's not like super funny it's not even like necessarily just a good sense of humor but like a good sense of other people's senses of humor and what people need to hear because i mean so much of laughter is sympathetic knowing what people need to hear to laugh along and how jokes will build and stuff like that. That's amazing. And this is a great Scooby dupe that makes use of that kind of sitcom gag where they're saying Gargi yeah. and a dude walks in in a towel and it's treated as the ooh moment. <laughs> ooh. It's, yeah, that is the that little audio <laughs> cues. Hilarious. And he's like, hey, what are you guys doing in my apartment? Ooh. Uh, and they run off. There's a musical chase scene. Um... Uh, what I found delightful was because this, again, I, uh, I mentioned that this apartment building was festooned with gargoyles. So Scooby and Shaggy mm-hmm. are running, and in every corner there's a gargoyle, and they get spooked by each one. It's a good gag. In the, in the style of the many costumes store, or wax figure museum. Ah, yeah, right, yeah, where just mm-hmm. everything's spooky. Um, every, they get spooked by everything, and eventually they get spooked by the real one. The song is... Uh, Recommending that they do the Transylvania polka. Do the Transylvania polka. My favorite part is um, they are riding uh, a camera, mm. and the gargoyle wow. is fly. I we we haven't really mentioned, but this gargoyle is capable of flight, even though it's made of heavy, heavy yeah, stone. No kidding, that's right. Um, and the gargoyle is flying behind them, and they're looking at the gargoyle in the little like view. Is it a viewfinder? Is that whatever the the monitor? <laughs> I love this moment. This might be the best, briefest gag in the series. But yeah, they're, they're looking at it through the viewfinder or whatever, through the camera lens, and the gargoyle is getting closer and closer. And Shaggy's like, he's gaining on us! Zoom out! Zoom out! They z- and Scooby, like, cranks the zoom, and it, the, the gargoyle does get smaller, and it's kind of, ah, whew. <laughs> oh, that's better. Oh, and the gargoyle, like, slams into him, knocks over the camera and all that stuff. Um, 
the course of events that follows, if I may attempt to summate... Yeah, go for it. ...is that everyone quits the show because it's being terrorized by a gargoyle, and on top of that, the gargoyle kidnaps Lady Annabelle. Wait, no. Oh, I'm jumping None of that way ahead. happens. Everyone quit a while ago. Everyone quit a while ago. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I thought they were still here. Oh, man, I didn't get to say goodbye to anybody. <laughs> I, I guess I did neglect to mention that after the crew leaves, um, Mystery Inc. steps up and says that they'll be the crew, mm. which is kind of a big ask. And we don't really see them being the crew either. They just, yeah, they're not doing they anything the crew-related. They, they're not, like, holding booms. No, they don't do know? any of that stuff. In fact, they really are not responsible with the equipment of the show. I, there's one funny little thing where uh, Mr. Sullivan comes out again and he's ordering our pizza. I thought it was funny because the pizza that he orders is called, and I quote, a medium mouthful of meat pizza. Wow. Uh, but they find that Daphne's beard, because at one point she puts it on the gargoyle, has a little bit of uh, rubble on it, I guess, like, gargoyle residue. Gargoyle residue, I was going to say, yeah. So my favorite scene from The Incredibles, my favorite scene, is when um, Mr. Incredible was, like, fighting the fire. Even when he said he was going um, bowling with Frozone, and he walks in, and Mrs. Incredible is there, and she comes up to him, and she's like, Fred, is that rubble? <laughs> she like, takes a little bit like off of his like lapel that kills me um just just saying rubble in like ordinary conversation yeah, that's a really good way of doing it and the amazing thing is that movie also contained her finding another woman's hair on his costume which is oh. the most adult real version of what they made a joke about there it's true oh man like that's how I get that in adult shows now, because I'm like, oh, I saw this in The Incredibles. I get it. They implied cheating in The Incredibles. They heavily implied cheating in no, The Incredibles. No, they inferred cheating, excuse me. They make it clear that he doesn't, but they make it clear that she infers he does. Yes. Sorry. Um, but Daphne's beard has a little bit of gargoyle residue. They take it back to the mystery machine, where they can use the mystery machine's forensic uh, tools to analyze it. Fred and Velma have a plan. Not uncommon. It's typically those two who have the plan. Um, and the next scene that they're filming is on the roof, which they're like, per perfecto. Like, this is what we want. We want the next scene on the roof. Um, uh, they're filming. The girl girl shows up. But then the mystery machine is a hot air balloon. Obviously, just another example. We didn't need this, but let's let it state for the record. This is the best mystery machine that there is anywhere Second only to every mystery machine except... No, I mean, the second place mystery machine... Oh, I almost made the second two. It doesn't matter. The red is the worst one. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to be artful about it. There it is. Yeah, you think the red mystery machine sucks. It's terrible. Why? It's not even a mystery machine. It's a different vehicle. There's a completely... There's a different VIN. We zoom in it on one point. <laughs> okay. The mystery machine becomes a hot air balloon to combat the... Um, to combat the gargoyle, and there's kind of like a, a high-flying mid-air chase fight. Yeah, it's it's this whole thing where it's it's like pretty hard to track, and I actually had to pause it and watch it again, and then watch it again. But the gargoyle um, is netted and flies into the back of the mystery machine. Well, he's flying at the mystery machine. He gets netted on that journey. He tumbles into the back, which he was going to do anyway. Um... But then he stands up kind of shaken and falls out of the back of the mystery machine, which again is way high up in the air. And one of the ropes wraps around his foot. Fortunately, not his throat. This isn't a Clayton moment. Got to get that in. Um, and then he like tumbles down and the rope, I think, pulls Scooby with him. Well, the thing is that, um, and, and again, that like you, you missed it because it happens so quickly. Like that's the thing. There's so many quick things that happen here. It, it's that the gargoyle is in the back of the mystery machine. It is in a net. But what it does is it tries to stand up too quickly, and it bonks its it head bonks on the its ceiling, head? and that's what wow. causes him to fall out. I didn't catch that even a little bit. And from, It's very hard to track. And from there, I think, the rope ties around his ankle, catches Scooby from there. Scooby's on the back of the gargoyle. He's trying to hold on to the gargoyle by covering up the gargoyle's eyes. Gargoyle loses track where he's going and scoops up Lady Annabelle by accident. Uh, and... What happens is that Annabelle is knocked off of the roof. And Scooby is on the back. He's kind of like um, Jake Sully in Avatar. 
in the way that he's riding the gargoyle. Oh, Avatar the movie. Yeah, about the blue cat people. I didn't even think about that while I was watching it. It's okay. It's also our hero is riding a winged beast. Yeah. Was kind of the connection I was making. There's that. And um, how does Scooby form his bond with this winged beast? Because he doesn't have a hairlock to connect with this beast's. So Scooby blinds the gargoyle. The gargoyle is flying around, knocks Lady Bet Annabelle off the edge, and we've got kind of a Spider-Man moment. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Because because Scooby is kind of is diving down to rescue her before she can. Sp- splatter on the ground so he saved lady annabelle they're now on street level the gargoyle Mm. is like ah i have these two dogs now i'm gonna i guess kill them i don't know Um, yeah the gargoyle like climbs up after getting knocked into the cement mixer and is menacing the two dogs i guess he's gonna kill them we should just assume villains want to kill dogs uh but then the cement comes out and covers the gargoyle and i really like this they did this a lot in old cartoons but i like cement as a means of capturing the villain. I'm into that. Yeah, it stiffens around the villain, and the villain is then caught. And then they have I to, like, like chip, well. it, chip away at it to, like, you know, so they can... Yeah, the more the more tactile the gag, the better, and this is as tactile as it gets. Um, and, and so after this takes place, Scooby is very, like, oh, like, I, I, I saved Annabelle, you know? Like, he doesn't choke anymore. Like, he's gotten past his, uh, his awkwardness. Mm. And he... And I think it's weird because what he chooses to do is he chooses to tell her, he introduces himself rather as a uh, do, Scooby-Doo. So he's James Bond, but he's specifically Sean Connery James Bond. No kidding. You thought you would have gone, what What would you have gone? <laughs> Daniel Craig. Pierce Daniel Craig? I was Daniel Pierce Craig, Brosnan. so you can, because you know what, what you, you, you're not, if you watch closely... You can see that whenever Scooby gets really scared and he's in his element, his eyes turn an even brighter shade of blue. <laughs> that piercing, unearthly baby blue that makes you think White Walker from Game of Thrones. Who was the villain, ultimately? Uh, it was Carly, the assistant director. Because she did all the work and she got none of the credit. Yeah, Velma lists off a number of reasons that she was able to surmi- like figure out who it was. One of them is because she had earlier laid out the origins of gargoyles. And I wrote here in my notes, it's because uh, gargoyles, uh, they protect, uh, they don't attack. I would have loved it if that appeared in this episode. I think that's maybe the episode's one failing. One failing. Um, and also the goo, the sticky goo um, that they found on that one gar- gar- ugh, gargoyle very early on. Uh, was grease from the molds because she didn't freehand make her flying stone costume no she just took a mold of existing gargoyles which it turns out can just fly if you make a mold of them kids if you've got a gargoyle on your house first of all you live in a cool house congrats cherish that because that's not normal and that's unique about you and second make a mold of that gargoyle you can use it to fly she's very disgruntled um she is upset that she did not get as much credit as, and I quote, that insipid little ferret. Oh, man, she's referring to Lady Annabelle there. That's right. That's so mean. And Lady Annabelle just, like, she she does what she did with Scooby, which is that she's, like, staring ahead and then kind of, like, looks to the side, like, oh. <laughs> Such wisdom in those eyes. Um, the episode ends more or less with Daphne saying she's going to lose the beard, Finally, Fred is grateful, but she tears it off, and the stash remains. And then Fred says, I'll be in the van. Did he say, I'll be in the van? He says, that's literally the last that line of this episode. That is literally what he says. Wow. And that is the full episode. Hey, Evan, can I play guitar while we do the outro? Yeah. That's been Scooby Dudes, people. Thanks for joining us. Now we're going to tell you all the places you can follow up with us. So you can go to Facebook.com. You can search for Scooby Dudes, and if you want to, if you want to like that page, you'll get regular updates from us. If you decide to go to Twitter, we're 
at these Scooby Dudes. And if you follow us there, you can also get updates. We'd really love it if uh, we'd really love it if you'd write us a five-star iTunes review. Man, if you did that, we'd read it on air. Evan would, that is. I wouldn't. If you want to shoot us an email, scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I think I'd like to talk about my favorite people. They're the people who keep our podcast going, the lights on, who give us their money. That's our Patreon donors. We really, really, really love and respect all of our Patreon donors. So much so that we like to say their names. There is one of them I don't respect. In fact, there's two I want to call out right now who I don't have the slightest respect for. Do you think you know who they are, Evan? I hope I do. In that case, you do. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, They're me. I'm two of our donors who I have no respect for. Um, But every other donor we have who is not me, I have immense respect for. I'm even stopping playing now, and not just because I can't multitask. Um, Though that's part of it. But the people who donate to us on Patreon help us create original title card art that we commission every week for every single episode. They help us um, keep the website running, and we give them whatever we can that doesn't make it across the cutting room floor. Doesn't, that does hit, whatever we don't give, we give them stuff we don't give anybody else. Yeah, there's a certain amount of exclusivity at being a patron Patreon donor, and as I mentioned, we say their names um, every single week. And we would like to do that right now, uh, for the first time ever, with backing guitar. Yeah, I'm gonna maybe I'll I'll do a a guitar shout while I do the Patreon scream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. A, a a chord as beautiful as our donors. Just be like, when something is so delicious, you kind of. Really, you really want to get in there. I hate that I'm lending music to the things you're doing right now on screen. I mean, so you're not just kissing it, you're really just like. You're really getting the tongue into that. That's it, listeners. Hit us up on social media. Donate money if you can. And whatever the case, keep talking to us and keep listening to us. We've been the Scooby Dudes. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go to ScoobyDudes.com. Show notes. Captioned screenshots. Uh, You can see the art. Bigger. That's a good time. Yeah. You could probably even... They could probably even download the art and, like, make it their desktop wallpaper, couldn't they? They sure could. It's pretty big. Two dudes talking about Scooby Like you, unless you're a lady, ooh, this show's for ladies.